Michael Swickard here. Welcome to Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili, it's brought to you by locally owned farms from Hatch, New Mexico, which is the chili capital of the world, and I'll talk a little more about Hatch, New Mexico in just a minute. Often when something smells good in a kitchen, the cook is asked, hey, what's cooking? One thing I know for sure is having a good recipe is essential. And the Fresh Chili Company has a chili cookbook in two forms. You can have it as paper or an ebook. It is called Fresh Chili Cooking Cookbook. And it has hatched chili recipes. We have a private group called Fresh Chili Cooking on Facebook. And we post pictures and descriptions of what our customers are doing with our products. have over 20,000 members in that private group who love Hatch Chili and share their creations, you too can join. And you can go to FreshChiliCo.com website. You can purchase our chili products, as you probably should, and the cookbook. Just wanted to share that with you. Join the, the people on Facebook looking at different ways to cook things. One of my favorite Western writers was Eugene Cunningham. He wrote several action novels that I didn't read, names like Whistlin' Lead, Outlaw Justice, Quick Triggers, three different books. But I remember him for a nonfiction book that I still have called Trigger-nometry. I had two Gs, Trigger-nometry. Not the mathematical area of study, the relationships between angles and ratios of lengths. I must tell you before I get back to Billy the Kid and Eugene Cunningham in his Trigger-nometry, another story. My uncle Eugene McKim was at White Sands Missile Range from 1950 to 1992 in radar research. He was a radar technician in the Navy in World War II and graduated from New Mexico State University in electrical engineering. He told me one time when the range first opened, a group of mathematicians were hired to create a book of angles and cosines for artillery and missile launches. The group sat for three years working out every possible angle and landing and put it into a book three years. When he was telling me about this in 1990, he said his desktop computer with a simple program could work out all that data in a couple hours and the whole project could be done in a day, not three years. And they did it with slide rules, which is kind of interesting. Okay, on to Billy the Kid, real name Henry McCarty. He was in the Hargrove Saloon in Fort Sumner in 1880. He was told that a heavy-drinking gunman by the name of Joe Grant intended to kill him. As an example of trigonometry with the two Gs, Billy walked up and asked to see Joe Grant's fancy ivory-handled six-shooter. While looking at the pistol, he made sure it would not fire without Grant knowing. You see, he moved the cylinder forward five clicks. Back then, you only loaded five bullets and left the pistol hammer sitting on an empty chamber or an already fired cartridge so that if it was bumped, which did happen in the Old West, it would not accidentally go off. But now it was sitting on a live bullet, but the next chamber would not fire. Billy handed it back, and then Joe Grant decided it was time to force a gunfight. He was going to take down that Billy the Kid. Much to his surprise, his own pistol went click while Billy shot him down. Now, Joe drew first, so it was clearly self-defense in the eyes of the laws, but it was, as author 
Eugene Cunningham described it, trigger-nometry. Trigger-nometry. I always like that word. Michael Swickert here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company. Hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. Also, if you have friends that like Hatch Valley chili stories and Old West history, you can share these podcasts with them by copying the link and emailing it to them. At this time in 1869, yes, a long time ago, President Ulysses Grant was intending to appoint a guy named William Anderson Pyle, P-I-L-E, as ambassador to Venezuela and Brazil. But there was a problem in New Mexico, so the appointment was withdrawn by President Grant, and Pyle was the former general in Grant's army and understood that this was a pretty good guy. Uh, He was appointed territorial governor of New Mexico. A former Methodist minister, U.S. congressman, and Civil War general, his first year in Santa Fe was quiet. Not both years, but that first year. There was the usual problems with the census in New Mexico, which had to be done on horseback because it was 1870. For the most part, though, it was quiet. Then it happened. It seems one day in the spring of 1870, Territorial Governor William Pyle decided to do some spring cleaning. He ordered his cluttered governor's office to be cleaned out of all those old papers that were just sitting around. He didn't take any time to figure out what the papers were. Turns out many of them were from the territorial archives. They were documents dating back even to the time of Spanish rulers in New Mexico. Whoops! Most of the papers were cleaned out and they were given away as wrapping paper, which in those days was a good thing to have. Santa Fe residents picked up stacks of discarded documents from the governor to use in wrapping presents. Hmm. When the error was noted, many people in Santa Fe and around New Mexico were angry that their heritage was thrown away, just given away. At first, Governor Pyle tried to say, oh, no, no papers were lost from these archives. It was a good thing to say. However, it was not true, and people figured it right out. Then the librarian in charge of the archives ran an advertisement in the Santa Fe newspaper of the time asking anyone with any of the old papers that they had gotten from the governor's office to bring them back, please, please, please. If it hadn't been for this incident, Pyle probably would have been a governor a few more years because he otherwise did the job quite well. Instead, he was forced several months later to resign because of the incident. Historians claim that many valuable papers were lost because of the carelessness of this governor who returned to Washington and was made ambassador to Venezuela. I don't have any knowledge about how he did in Venezuela. Let's do some more history. At this time in 1914, the college in El Paso, Texas opened its door as the El Paso State School of Mines and Metallurgy. Today, it's the University of Texas, El Paso. When the news of the new college just 40 miles south of Las Cruces was announced, the New Mexico College of Agriculture and Mechanical Arts decided to add an engineering department to the college as competition with the folks in El Paso. Ralph Willis Goddard was hired to assist Dean Barnes in getting the focus on engineering started, and he did. When you see KRWG, as in KRWG-FM or KRWG-TV, 
the RWG Ralph Willis Goddard. It's in the, that honors his legacy. He might have been a cousin of Robert uh, Goddard the, of Rocket fame because they both came from the same town about the same time. Okay, let's talk about Hatch. Which one? The name Hatch is tied to New Mexico, but in a couple of places. There's Hatch, New Mexico, the chili capital of the world. It's named for Edward Hatch, who was a general in the Civil War. He commanded a cavalry division in the Army of the Tennessee under General Ulysses Grant. After the war, he went to the regular army as a colonel. He commanded the 9th U.S. Cavalry Regiment and then was made commander of the District of New Mexico, which is the New Mexico Territory. Now, the quaint village of Hatch, New Mexico, Chile capital of the world, was originally settled by the name Santa Barbara in 1851. But there was a lot of problems, and it was abandoned on and off for a number of years, for 14 years. They would do a little something, then things happened, and they would leave. In 1875, under the protection of Colonel Edward Hatch, it was reestablished permanently, and in his honor, it was called Hatch. That's how they got to Hatch, New Mexico. But there's another Hatch, and it's an important Hatch. There was the Hatch Act of 1887, which affects you even today. It does me too. It created the system of agricultural experiment stations in land-grant colleges. You know, those colleges that were founded under the Morrill Act of 1862, land-grant colleges. No, it's not the same Hatch, though. The Colonel, Edward, the sponsor of legislation to which it was named was William Hatch, who was the chair of the House Committee on Agriculture. Hatch, Missouri, another town, is named for William Hatch, and its claim to fame, its big claim to fame, is that the Hatch Act of 1887. There's a big monument there. You can go to look at the fact that it started the ag experiment stations in the, in the land-grant colleges. The other Hatch, Colonel Hatch, was not related to the congressman. In fact, this is kind of an odd little point. The two of them fought against each other in the Civil War because Edward was, was a cavalry general under General Grant and William was a Confederate soldier. After the war was over and re-put re together, then he became a congressman and we have the Hatch Act. So, Michael, how do these two men named Hatch come together in your mind? Well, I'm glad you asked. What has made Hatch, New Mexico, the chili capital of the world, is the Agricultural Experiment Station at what is now New Mexico State University. And the driving force of the experiment station was a man named Fabian Garcia. He is considered the, fa the father of the chili industry in New Mexico, along with the onion industry, the pecan industry, and several other crops. Now, if you go on the campus of New Mexico State University, you'll see there is a Garcia Hall, the student residence building, and a Garcia Hall, an administrative building, same Garcia, and more importantly, the Fabian Garcia Science Center, which is part of NMSU. 
the agricultural experiment station. This this uh, forty acre, or now it's thirty three, because they had to give seven acres to the freeway going by. It's located just west of Main Street on University Avenue. The the complex houses the landscape demonstration gardens and facilities for cotton, onion, pecan, and chili research, and they do a lot of it. It's the reason that these crops are commercially viable in our area. The research from the Ag Experiment Station bolstered that up. Fabian Garcia was employed by the Agricultural Experiment Station starting in 1906 after he got a master's from Cornell University and he was named director of it in 1913. He was the station director until his retirement in 1945. And almost all of the great um, things that happened with these different crops are tied to the research that he really worked on during that period of time. And all of this ties together with one more thing, the Cooperative Extension Service from the Smith-Lever Act of 1914, where the research done from the Hatch Act is provided to people of New Mexico in any role they may play, whether they're ranchers, farmers, citizens, uh, what, whatever they are, people just having garden. Each of the 33 New Mexico counties have an extension office and in the extension office are people that will help. Now me, on a ranch just south of Carrizoza, that was my grandfather's, then my uncle's, then mine, we had a problem with skunks. And I know that doesn't sound like a big problem. I'm telling you, it can be a big problem. The extension agent named Ralph schooled me on how to deal with the problem. There were a couple things I could do to make things a little better. And as the extension agent schooled me on how to deal with that problem, he also was how to deal with things I was having problems with in the garden. The extension agent was also uh, there for a lot of other problems that I had. The Hatch Act is something I really appreciate. Michael Swickert here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico. Now there's a, a great honey, hatch red chili honey that is good. So you take regular honey, which we do, and then we make it sweet and spicy by putting sun-dried hatch red chili into that, that honey that we get here in the uh, Mesilla Valley. It's a wonderful honey. And what do I like best on sourdough homemade biscuits? This is Michael Swickert with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, brought to you by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico on these podcasts. If you have something or someone you want me to talk about, you can write to michael at freshchilico.com, michael at freshchilico.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili's good. More is better as long as it's Hatch Valley chili. Bye for now.